It's good to be here. I ask an interest in your prayers as I stand before you. Brother Sablon spoke a great truth in his devotional, God helps us. And if that were not true, then we may as well just have the benediction and leave, right? Because we're not going to do anything without him. And so I certainly ask for your prayers. I want to call your attention to begin the lesson to a scripture reading found in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. I want to read a short lesson beginning with verse 33. Matthew chapter 7 verse 33. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull. They gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down... They watched him there and and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And uh, with that scripture being read, as Brother Brad already said, the title of my lesson is crucified with Christ. I have read uh, here the account from Matthew chapter 27 of where that happened uh, with two men in a natural sense. And if you read uh, a copy of the written lesson, you won't find that I wrote this down, but I I really, all morning, I have felt like that I needed to say this. I want to personally, publicly, thank the Lord Jesus Christ for dying for my sins. I thank Him for being gracious to me and saving my soul. He was numbered, as the Bible tells us, in His death... He was numbered with the transgressors, and because of what he did for me 50 years ago, when it comes time for my death, I'll be numbered with the saints. And I'm so very thankful for the salvation that can only come from the one that hung on the cross and died for our sins. I read in... Matthew 27, verse 38, that the Bible says there were two thieves crucified with him. In Mark 15, 32, it says they that were crucified with him reviled him. In John 19, 32, it says then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. And that uh, 
those same words are used in, in all three of those gospel accounts. Uh, Luke used a little bit different uh, wording when he talked about it, but Matthew, Mark, and John all recorded and used the same words, crucified with him. Crucifixion, as you know, and I'm not certainly not trying to teach you this, you all know this, but crucifixion was a means of execution. It was never intended to be used for anything but that. Uh, crucifixion was not used for rehabilitation. It was used to put somebody to death. And when someone was crucified, that's what it accomplished. That person hung on the cross and they stayed there until they died. Now, uh, to the best of my knowledge, what I have read before you in Matthew chapter 27, and, and of course, as I said, the other gospel accounts record it, but this is the only place in the scriptures where we are told specifically, plainly, that there were people who were put to death by crucifixion. However, uh, if we consider the history of it, uh, it was something that went on for hundreds of years. Uh, there were people, according to history, uh, other history other than uh, scriptural history, there were people that used this as a means of execution before the Romans ever did. Uh, it's commonly believed that it was used by the Persians uh, when they had taken control of Babylon, and perhaps they did. Uh, I, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm saying that, that is, it's believed that that was done. And of course, we know in the uh, time of Christ that the Romans did use crucifixion as a means of execution. Jesus was crucified and he died on the cross. When they came to break the legs to hasten the death of the two thieves because uh, the Passover was drawing nigh, the Bible tells us plainly that they didn't break the legs of Jesus because he was already dead. And they did break the legs of the other and I, of the others, and I assure you that after they broke their legs, those men died. And the point that I'm making, and I, I believe perhaps as the lesson goes on, you'll see this, that crucifixion brought about death. Crucifixion was synonymous with death. Now, uh, Jesus said to the apostle Peter, and this is recorded in John 21, 18 and 19, Verily, verily, I say unto unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. And uh, we know from... Uh, what has been recorded historically, uh, it is recorded that Peter died uh, by being crucified upside down. Uh, Andrew died by being crucified, and, and many others died 
by the same means, by being crucified, being hung on a cross until they were dead. Now, I, I believe that it, it would only make sense for us to conclude that people in that day, when they heard about someone being crucified, that they would automatically uh, believe that that person died. Uh, I, I can't imagine that two men would have been talking and uh, one of them would have said to the other, hey, did, did you hear about the man uh, that the Romans crucified last week? I really doubt if the other guy would have said, oh, no, I didn't. How's he doing? They would have expected that he was dead. And, and again, I, hopefully I have a point that I want to make about that. And so uh, I want to try now to move ahead into uh, what I really mainly wanted to talk about in the, in the lesson. And uh, I want to call your attention to a verse found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And from this point in the lesson, most of this will be based upon the writings of the Apostle Paul. But from the time of Christ and the two thieves being crucified until the time that the Apostle Paul wrote this epistle to the Galatians, uh, I, I can't pinpoint this exactly, but I believe that it's uh, fair to uh, conclude that about 18 to 20 years had passed since Christ had been crucified and Paul wrote this epistle. And so here were these churches in, in Galatia that the Apostle Paul wrote to and he was uh, reproving them for some things that they had come to believe. And I may speak about that a little bit more here in a moment. But he writes this to the churches in Galatia. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I like what was said earlier, and we all know that it's true, and I'm going to repeat it. Uh, when those two thieves were crucified, one on either side of Jesus, they took their lives from them. But Jesus gave his life. I mean, he made it plain, and it's recorded in John chapter 10. He said, I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. And so he, uh, he gave his life freely uh, for you and I. He gave his life so that we could live. The men that were crucified with him, uh, after they broke their legs and they were dead, they took them down from the cross and they stayed dead. They continued to be dead. They wouldn't have been able to say what Paul said. Uh, neither of those men could have said, I was crucified with Christ, but look at me, I'm alive. Jesus was. Amen. 
He was alive. He was crucified, and it only lasted a little while because on the third day, he was alive again. And, and that's the reason that the apostle Paul here was able to write what he did. I'm crucified with Christ, but I'm alive. I am alive. Now, that can only, that can only apply in a spiritual sense. Uh, you know, naturally, we can't say this. But spiritually, we can. And Paul says this over and over and over. Uh, in his writings, spiritually, Paul talks about being both dead and alive. Now, naturally, that won't work. I mean, I know that when, when we go to, when someone has passed away and we go to their funeral, we don't walk up to the corpse and say, now that you're dead, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Uh, they're dead. I mean, they're dead. They're naturally, they're dead, and they stay that way. But Paul, uh, you know, he said, I'm crucified, or if you will, I have been crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, I live. And he, uh, you know, Paul used this language in other ways at other times. Uh, he talked about how that he labored more abundantly than all of the other apostles before him. But he said, not really, because it really wasn't me, but it was the grace of God that was in me. Here he said, I'm crucified with Christ, but I live, but I don't live. Not, it's not me, it's Christ that lives in me. I'm going to tell you something, and I know that this is true for every one of you, brethren. When the Lord Jesus Christ saved me, when God saved me by His grace, He changed me. He made a drastic change in me. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, he said, You hath He quickened, you hath He made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Now he's talking there, uh, in, in both of those, he's talking spiritually. You were spiritually dead, you've been spiritually made alive, and you've been made alive forever. But you were dead in trespasses and in sins, and then Christ quickened uh, you by his grace and made you alive Forever, we uh, that are saved have eternal life. And I'm so glad that we do because as it's already been said, this life here is short and fleeting and it's going to come to an end. But if you're saved, that's okay, isn't it? There's greater things ahead. Those men, when they were crucified, uh, with Christ, it brought about a drastic change. I mean, it changed everything for them. They were no longer, they left this world, they were no longer citizens of this world. Now, this is not a perfect uh, analogy. I, I understand that, not a perfect allegory, but I do think that 
uh, perhaps the Lord will help me to make a point in here because uh, when the Apostle Paul said that he was crucified with Christ, he was also saying that he had died. If you look at the original language, there, there is a, a word in the original language that, is a, that uh, was rendered the English word from which the English word crucified was rendered that is just in reference to Christ being crucified. But then if you look at the same English word crucified, uh, when it talks about the thieves that were crucified with him, uh, there's a little bit different meaning. It's a little bit different word, and it means to be crucified in company with someone else. And so Paul uh, was crucified with Christ, and you know, given the fact that it meant exactly the same thing, Paul had to be saying that in some way he died. He did. He did. He died. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, I believe it explains the way that he died. Galatians 6, 14 says, the apostle Paul said, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. We need to, I believe that we need to remember, we need to be reminded, and we need to remind ourselves that we who are God's children, we are no longer of this world. The Bible teaches us that very, very plainly. I want to go through some scriptures in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. The Apostle Paul said, For our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Now therefore ye are no more strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God. <clears throat> the apostle Paul, when he wrote to the Galatians, and he said, I am crucified with Christ, he wasn't saying something, he wasn't making mention of something that only happened to him. Uh, he, and I, I'll share some scripture with you, but he talks about, uh, he wrote to others 
that that same thing had happened to them when they had been saved by God's grace. It just changes us. And uh, in Hebrews 11, verse 13, after the Hebrew writer recorded the names of several people and several things that they had accomplished by faith, uh, he said, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You know, I believe it's time for us as God's people to return to that mindset. Because we are becoming too attached and too comfortable in the world. I mean, we read about this over and over and over in the Bible uh, that God's people are citizens of a better world than this world. And we need to be, we need to make that same confession uh, that I just read about that those uh, that are written about in Hebrews chapter 11, we need to make that same confession and not just with our lips, but with our hearts, that same confession that this world is not our home. We're just passing through here. Uh, we are strangers and foreigners uh, in this world. We are in a foreign land and we are just headed to our home uh, and thank God, uh, we're going to get there. Uh, we're going to make it because Jesus said, I won't lose any of them uh, that the Lord has given me. Uh, we're going to make it home and we need to look at it that way. Uh, and we need to uh, take our eyes off of this world and look at the world that is to come. The Bible... T- teaches us that. In Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul said, "Ye then, uh, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead. And your life, well, that seems kind of, sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? You're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. And so uh, that's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, if you're risen with Christ, and listen, if you've been saved, you are. You're risen with Christ. Uh, We've already undergone that. Uh, you know, as again, as we're told in Ephesians 2, uh, the Lord quickened us when we were dead in trespasses and in sins. He quickened us and he gave us life when we repented uh, of our sins and trusted in him. Uh, he quickened us. He made us alive. And what happened uh, when he did that was we died to sin. We were dead in sin. Uh, now we are dead to sin. And the Bible teaches us, and I hope to get there in a moment, but the Bible teaches us that we are to, now we are to live in newness of life. We are to live as we 
according to the change that has taken place in us, we are to live and walk that way. And I'll tell you, brethren, we need to preach that. We need to preach that to God's people that we are to walk in newness of life. In John chapter 17, in verses 14 through 16, as Jesus prayed for his disciples, he made this statement to his heavenly Father. He said, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They're not of the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. When uh, Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate said, well, are you a king? He said, well, you said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. But, uh, you know, my kingdom is not of this world. And as part of his kingdom, we're not supposed to be of this world either. In uh, Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, the apostle Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Brother uh, Skinner mentioned uh, the days, you know, and listen, every day that we live, is a, it's a day that God gives us. When, uh, you know, David made the statement, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. He wasn't only talking about that one particular day. Every day is the day that God has made. And when we start that day, uh, it ought to be our mindset. What will I do today to honor and serve the Lord? Because we're just not of this world. I'll guarantee you that uh, every time a child of God leaves the world and they get their first glimpse of the world that God's prepared for us, they don't want to come back. I've told this before. I, uh, I read this one time on one of those little eulogies, those little eulogy cards at a funeral. I picked it up and read it, and there was a poem, and I don't mean to make light of, you know, somebody in their grief, but it had a little poem on there that said uh, something to the effect that, you know, I miss you so much. If, if I could, I would go up to heaven and bring you back. I read that, and I thought, good luck with that. You wouldn't get them to leave. We're going home. 
one of these days we're going home. This world's not it. This world is not our home. And we are not to be, uh, as the Apostle Paul said, we're not to be transformed or, or we're not to be uh, conformed to this world, but transformed that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 14. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Now, that's what Paul was talking about. That our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin... For he that is dead is freed from sin. Aren't you glad? Christ set us free. We're free. And if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. We're free from sin. To be dead to sin is synonymous with being alive unto God. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord." Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, For ye are not under the law, but under grace. You know, the Bible tells us the truth about sin. It tells us the truth about our sin. It tells us how that we are to handle sin. And uh, John recorded, and he said, if we say that we have no sin, we're lying. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You know, it's bad to be deceived. It's really bad to deceive yourself. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But listen, uh, he didn't write that to make God's people think that we have a license to sin. He goes on and he, he says, he uh, writes what we are to do when we realize that we have sin. We are uh, immediately to repent of that sin, to put it behind us. And I'm thankful that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But, uh, you know, as the Apostle Paul asked there in Romans chapter 6, how shall they that are dead to sin live any longer therein? It should not have an influence over us. We've been crucified with Christ. And that's okay. That's great that the old man is crucified because we all know he wasn't a good guy anyway. 
The Galatians had heard and believed the false teaching of those who brought to them what Paul referred to as another gospel, a perverted gospel. They allowed themselves to be persuaded that salvation came by the works of the law. In Galatians 3, 1 through 3, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? In verses 13 and 14, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians 5.1, he said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I believe Brother Steve quoted Galatians 4. Uh, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. Now, listen, that word redeem has a great meaning. We are redeemed, which means that we have been bought. We have been purchased. And it was the Lord who purchased us. And he purchased us with his blood. And so the Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, uh, he said, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your, in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We need to never forget that we are not our own man. We belong to the Lord. He bought us, and he bought us with the precious blood of Christ. We're his. We're redeemed. I like, I like this in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says, And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Amen. I've already talked about the first four verses of Colossians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, the Apostle Paul made this very plain, very easy to understand statement. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Maybe harder to do than it is to say, but it's true. Walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 24, he says, the works of the fle- Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ, or that belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Now, when the Apostle Paul wrote and made the statement, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, he said, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Paul didn't live that way when he was a Pharisee. But he lived that way after that he had been saved. And he wasn't just talking about the change that takes place when we pass from death unto life or from nature unto grace. He's talking about a complete changed lifestyle. I live differently now. Not only have I been changed inwardly, but I live different outwardly. I mean, isn't that what he was saying there in Romans chapter 6? Know ye not that so many of you as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? And, you know, he went on and, and talked about the symbolism of that and how that it shows when uh, we are uh, baptized that what that ordinance uh the picture that's in that ordinance, how that we, our, our old man is buried and we rise to walk in newness of life, to live differently, Amen. to be a different person than what we had been before. In, in Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, I probably should go back and read Romans 6, the way I butchered it, but I'll let you all do that. He said, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man." which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 
Now, I, I, I certainly believe that the Lord supplies our needs. He gives us what we need. But in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 16, when he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven, indicates that there is some personal uh, effort that must be put forth. It's not automatic. He said, put on the old man. You know, uh, when I put on my shirt, there's some effort that's required in me to do that. Uh, He said, put on the old man. Listen, we've got to, uh, you know, we don't need to turn back to the old man. We need to put off the old man and put on the new man. That's what he told us. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I'm going to uh, try to conclude with this. In the ninth chapter of Luke, in verse 23, this is Jesus having, having said this. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I want you to think about that. I want you to really think about that statement. Think about what Jesus told us to do. And you know what? He said, if you don't do it, you can't be my disciple. It wasn't a mere suggestion. Jesus said, you've got to do this if you want to be my disciple. Matthew uh, chapter 14, verse 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus was pretty plain, wouldn't he? In Matthew chapter 10, Verses 37 and 38, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Jesus took his cross, didn't he? He went to the cross and he died for our sins and he had not done anything wrong. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, when we read about uh, those two thieves and Jesus crucified right in the middle of them, uh, I, I wish that we could read that both of those men would have turned to Jesus uh, and begged him for mercy, but they didn't. But I'm glad that one of them did. And he made a great statement. He made a true statement. He said, uh, when the other thief reviled Jesus, uh, the one thief said to him, do you not fear God seeing that we're in the same condemnation? We indeed receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. 
Let me tell you something. When I came to Jesus, when I was seeking him for salvation, I was in full acknowledgement of my sin. You remember that, don't you? Oh, man, I felt so terrible. I felt so horrible for what I was. I felt so condemned. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Lord just took it all away. Set me free. Set me free. And, you know, I don't, I'm sure that I don't love him as much as I should. But I sure do love him. And I know that you can relate to this. When, whenever uh, there are those times when I realize that there's something... <laughs> some way in which I'm letting him down. I'm failing the Lord. Sometimes I see him there on the cross, what he did for me. And it it just makes you feel bad to know that uh, you might let him down in some way. I want to read these words that W.E. Vine in his Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words said concerning this statement in Matthew 10 about carrying your cross. He said, Matthew 10, 38, about taking one's cross, the judicial custom by which the condemned person carried his stake to the place of execution was applied by the Lord to those sufferings by which his faithful followers were to express their fellowship with him. Carrying the cross. I will end with these words from a song, an old treasured hymn. It says, Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. How happy are the saints above who once went sorrowing here, but now they taste unmingled love and joy without a fear. The consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free, and then go home my crown to wear, for there's a crown for me. Upon the crystal pavement down at Jesus' pierced feet, joyful I'll cast my golden crown and his dear name repeat. O precious cross, O glorious crown, O resurrection day, when Christ the Lord from heaven comes down and bears my soul away. I'm waiting for that. I know. I love life. I do. I really do. God gave me this life, and I love it. I love being with my family. But... uh, This world isn't home. I've got a better place to go. And uh, I've got one, especially, that I'm really longing to see. To look upon the face of Jesus. Amen.